stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! It's the dawn of a new Formula E season, and we're here to preview it for you, all on this exciting episode of Motorsport 101. Welcome to a very special episode of Motorsport 101. Um, I am your, I'm not your friendly neighborhood, uh, Andre Harrison. Uh, he will be here for our next regular episode. Uh, I'm RJ O'Connell. I've got Ryan King with me. Hi, Ryan. Yes, it's it's strange to be recording at at such a late time. <laughs> Technically, we're recording this over two days. Yeah, this is a this is the first of a double feature weekend on the podcast. Which you can check out on motorsport101.com. We're available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about the 2019-20 Formula E season to come. But we decided, myself and King, we didn't want to do this alone. We had to get some help. We had to call upon our friends. Because our friends are there when you need them. And this is where we introduce, from InsideElectric.com, Hazel Southwell is joining us for our Formula E preview. It is awesome to have you back, Hazel. I'm super excited. It's it's super nice to to be back. Um, And not in an airport. Oh, yes. For the next... uh, Oh, sorry. Actually, uh, so the day is about to tick over for me. I've got one minute left of today. Uh, and then I've got five hours before I'm in an airport, so hopefully we can we can get that done in uh, in that time. Oh, excellent! Yeah, we don't have to worry about the airport having to get involved. <laughs> so, uh, so might I ask Hazel, um, what is InsideElectric.com? Uh, oh, um, I you know what I actually hadn't planned an answer to this. Um, <laughs> um, Inside Electric is a project between myself and um, some other independent Formula E journalists. Uh, We've worked together quite a lot sort of informally uh, in the past and we wanted to make a publication uh, that firstly published the type of content that we want to make. Um, I found that I would have a lot of quality material at the end of a Formula E weekend and just nowhere to put it, um, nowhere to pitch it, like nowhere that it would really sit comfortably, is particularly because I'm a, a technical writer a lot of the time. Um, and a lot of places just aren't interested in that. Like you can, it's relatively easy now to place a race report for Formula E, but people quite often don't want more detail. And I also wanted, uh, or we wanted to make a site that looked much more holistically at Formula E within the overall EV environment. Um, and we wanted it to you know, have good social media and um, pay people and not do what, or A, not be owned by like faceless venture capital uh, capital vampires who will it, like rinse every last drop out of it and then fire everyone 
Um, yeah. <laughs> as, as you know, Not that we like, know I, any recent cases yeah. like that, am I right? <laughs> um, and also to not be a publication that would force us to compromise on things like advertorial um, or to that would paywall coverage because there's no point paywalling coverage of a series that's still growing. Um, but we feel quite strongly like we want the reason that we write about Formula is because we think there are interesting things to say, not because we think if you go to an EPRI you should get five news pieces out of MediaPen or something, you know. Um, so it's all, all of us are professionals. We're all people who get paid for our work in other capacities. Um, and we've invested in Inside Electric to, to make something that we hope will eventually become both the go-to and a respected site for particularly Formula E coverage. Um, we're, we're launching with Formula E coverage because like, it's happening yes. uh, this weekend um, and also some iPace coverage. Uh, but over the winter, obviously, we'll be, we'll be di- diving into all kinds of things. Um, Andros Trophy, uh, the, the yes. race series that literally doesn't need to and shouldn't probably exist. No one has for it. We'll probably have more coverage of it streamy. Yes, we will, yeah. Um, And uh, things like the um, Electric Racing Academy Championship, which is sort of crossed between Formula Student and a junior series. Um, And uh, like finding out, I probably asked this question like two or three times a year what is Electric GT doing anymore? Um, Robo Race and like there's actually and um, of course Moto E just finished so we'll be catching up on content with that um, and also looking at overall developments like when DTM puts out some insane advert that says they're going to have thousand brake horsepower all electric vehicles I saw that we just converged upon a class one all star race that's happening this weekend and now they're thinking ahead to like an all electric car with a thousand horsepower. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the fact that that car doesn't exist, like, clearly didn't trouble them. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, like, we, we want it to be um, honest and the coverage that we want to read. Um, and hopefully, some other people will want to read it too. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. I think we'll all love to read it. It's insideelectric.com that's inside-electric.com they're on twitter at inside electric that's with two e's they're also on instagram same handle um and go check it out they have written four very good pieces to start us off as we record uh just after the stroke of midnight as we record this right just after the stroke of midnight so there will be more content to come by the time you get to listen to this episode, um, places again where you can find Motorsport 101 at Facebook.com and YouTube.com Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you wish to follow us personally, you can at Ryan Eric King. That's with two Ks at RJ O'Connell at H Southwell FE. And for all of your complaints and concerns, you can send those to at Harrison 101 HD. And if you really like us on Motorsport 101 for just $5 a month, you get early access to all of our shows at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. And for $10 a month, 
you can get into the very secret supporters club of our discord section uh very top secret nobody knows about it except for the people that pay us ten dollars a month like vincent james cameron who will be on tomorrow's show and steve who are all here listening to this very special formula e preview for motorsport 101 Let's not waste our time after this quick musical interlude. We'll be back to first talk about some of the some of the changes, some small, some big, some maybe bigger than you think, going into this 2019-20 season of the FIA Formula E Championship. a little bit different there's some new things some things that have been changed uh so to help break us break this all down uh there were some of the high points that i wanted to touch on uh for one thing there are no more twin motor designs all the cars have to have just a single electric motor um attack mode gives you more power and they've also tweaked the rules to uh, provide for more energy conservation including depleting the energy in the battery during a point where the race is neutralized such as a full course yellow or a safety car and you also get more bonus points you get a point for leading your group into qualifying so there's a few of the changes and hazel i just want to ask what's going to be the most impactful change that you see um out of those changes for the upcoming season um I mean, I guess in terms of actual long term of the championship, maybe the the no twin motor generator unit um, rule. I, but realistically, I'm I'm not sure that you know if if there was a decent argument for allowing twin MGUs, then I, I yeah. think it would probably. I know come back. Nissan had them, and I'm try I'm struggling to remember who else had them last season. Uh, so last season, nobody else had them, um, uh, but other teams have had them in the past. The reason that um, so like for instance uh, Virgin had twin what are called pancake motors in um, season 2 there was very little advantage that most people were able to gain by having twin motors so the reason for having twin motors would be so that you could run them at different speeds um, but there was already a rule in Formula E that you couldn't do that because it was a driver aid, which is true. Uh, yeah, so it would um, serve kind of like an impromptu traction control. Yes. Or, yeah. and, or and, also uh, torque vectoring. Oh, yes, even Precisely better. that. Yeah, so so it's not allowed in racing because of the potential for torque vectoring, because of the, the potential for um, exploitation in a way that amounts to a driver aid. Um, which is fine. I think that is a sensible rule, to be honest. Um, and there are other ways of developing that technology for instance Robo Race um, but uh, so overall the gain that you got from twin motors was relatively low uh, compared to so you got a little bit of extra torque out of the corner um, but really it was very low compared to the loss that you felt by having to have twice the amount of weight 
and you know these things have to last a full season so now you've got two sets of parts that need to be robust enough to do that and you've got two potential weak points for each of your weak points and things so it, it's sort of it, most teams had previously not been able to exploit it in a way that showed any significant advantage I would also argue that Nissan did not demonstrate a significant advantage they seem to have very good single lap pace but um, they, they did seem to be struggling for efficiency quite a lot of the time and, and with quite complex um, right. issues yeah. twice the races. complexity none of the benefits and we'll talk about Oliver Rowland because yeah. uh, he's probably due for a big second season great article on the aforementioned insideelectric.com um, <laughs> what do you make of these uh, what do you make of the extra power and attack mode and also um, the uh, I guess the energy delete button that yeah. they have whenever they neutralize the race um, so the energy deletion is that for um, so last season something happened in Formula E that had really just never happened before um, which was because we moved to a timed rather um, a race that was timed rather than judged by distance people were able to recover just ridiculous amounts of energy under the safety car energy isn't really a problem anymore in Formula E and that's partly because the Gen 2 cars have so much more regen like, I think it's four times the amount that you could regenerate previously, uh, or at some point. Work. Yeah, but I mean, I th I think the timed factor plays more into it because under say yeah. a so safety car full course caution, you cover a lot less distance than say time just time's constant. It'll always go down at the same rate. Yeah, well, so and you, you, you can be regen braking, you're not really using any energy, you're coasting, you're lifting, um, so you can't, so what was happening was you'd end up with a safety car going in 16 minutes, say, left on the clock, and people with over 50% of their battery remaining, so at which point you get a lights to, you get basically a drag race to the end, which is when you get drivers um, taking a lot of risk, you get a lot of contact because supposing you're in a back of midfield car, then this could be the moment that you could get like really into the points um, just by saving energy earlier on. Now that um, that was identified as a problem. It was identified as something that was disrupting the racing and it was increasing the risk of safety cars because people were taking risk were making a risky move because they had extra energy saved at which point you get another safety car and the whole thing compact um so in an attempt to make the racing more coherent um for every minute spent under full course yellow or behind the safety car um a kilowatt or one kilowatt hour will be deducted from the remaining usable energy which um, constitutes so how much of the battery and it, if we were to just like put a percentage on it um, so uh, there's 52, um, hang on a minute. Yeah, it's 52 kilowatt um, hour battery. battery. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Um, yeah, it's roughly. Let, let me just do some reverse maths. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's roughly a little under 2% of the battery a yeah. minute. Yeah, but that 2%, yeah. as we saw, that's like... That's a lot. That's just, a lot. Just, 
just just off the top of my head, Mexico City, two uh, percent yeah. is a lot. Two percent would have would have got Pascal over the line. Yeah, two yeah. percent um, would have would have sent the Nissan uh, kept the Nissans in the lead as well. Um, like two percent is a big chunk, uh, and um, what will happen? And I mean, also in the car, I didn't know this, um, but I was talking to Mitch Evans about it. And they don't. I just assumed that the drivers had like a percentage on their dash of what was left, like the same as, as yeah, just like you know. we see on television. But yeah, or like on your phone layout. or whatever, because that's like how we think of batteries, isn't it? It's like oh, I've got ninety six percent remaining or whatever. Um, uh, but they actually don't. They have it in kilowatts or uh, like kilowatt hours. Um, so for them, if they're told. That it, there's six less is actually much less of a kind of like oh my god what how like how do I calculate that um, than it is in terms of like TV. Yeah, um, like I assume they would make it uh, easier for the drivers to do the conversion in their head to how many kilowatts are burning per lap. I'm just imagining like could you imagine what kind of dork would have like their phone battery life displayed in kilowatt hours. <laughs> I, I'm imagining it now, and oh, you know what? It would be me, wouldn't it? There's well, no there's actually here. there's actually a reason why on phones they don't do that. Mm, I see. Because I see. your your battery capacity decreases over the lifetime of the, your phone. Hmm. Almost as if it's a plan to try and get you to upgrade every twenty four <laughs> months. But that's none of my business. I would have no idea what that's all about. I certainly don't work in this field. Uh, qualifying was a bit of a... <laughs> was very interesting last year. We got a lot of different poll winners. And now you get one point for leading your group in qualifying. Uh, as well as the... Go ahead. You get one point for being the fastest car in group qualifying. You don't get a point for topping your group. Oh, Okay. It's, it's a very ambiguously worded thing, and as far as I can tell, like, ev ev like literally at testing, everyone was like, I have no idea. Like, there's teams and the drivers and whatever. Um, but, uh, yes, it is, it is for being the fastest in-group qualifying, and then you get the point for pole if you attain pole position. Mm, I'm... <laughs> So, I, I'm not. I, I'm to be honest. I'm not worried about it. I think. I think it's a bit. It's, whatever. Yeah, like it, it's it's inconsequential, but it just makes you just wonder why do it in the first place. I I feel like probably there was a sponsor that like it was like Heineken fastest <laughs> Heineken, Heineken bar charge leader or something. I don't know. Um, it, but it, it feels like that. Like like we had the whatever the hell it was. The, the Heineken hot lap. When when you want to be fastest in a group, always remember when the day's done, get together with your group and crack open a cold Heineken. Do you remember... So though, we, we've done this. Like... We've done this marketing here. <laughs> okay. Okay, but no, do you remember when the hot lap was first proposed and I heard somebody suggest that this was just going to be like, for one lap they would do like a NASCAR style crank it up segment, but they would shoot it in like 24 frames per second and have like this weird soundtrack to it or whatever the fuck? <laughs> yes. But this sounds like more of a Formula E gimmick. 
And I yeah. mean that endearingly. I, I mean, I can't wait for the combined European and Asian rounds championship oh. this year. Oh my goodness. Uh, this would be a good segue into the calendar, because chances are, by the time you're listening to this podcast, you're also probably watching the Adria Ypri in Saudi Arabia, the first part of a doubleheader, but not just any doubleheader, King. What kind of doubleheader is it? A Friday-Saturday doubleheader. Friday-Saturday doubleheader, November 22nd and 23rd, two races, two qualifying sessions, then we head to our Latin America stretch where we <clears throat> might get the Santiago e Prey in Chile on January 18th. We head to La Ciudad de Mexico on uh, February 15th for the Mexico City Pre. And it's back to Marrakech in Morocco. It's time to Marrakech the Fever on February 29th. Followed by a trip to Sanya in China on March 21st. Then it's our then it's the first part of our European leg with Rome on April 4th, followed by Paris on April 18th. We make our first visit to two different countries. The first ever Seoul Epri in South Korea on May the 3rd, and the first ever Jakarta Epri in Indonesia on June the 6th. Then it's a return to Tepelhof Airport on June 21st for the Berlin Epri, the Brooklyn New York City Epri on July the 11th. Not a doubleheader this time because that goes to London, the London at South Center finale, July 25th and 26th. We are back in London, baby. We are returning to London. We are going to Seoul and Jakarta for the first time. Um, very interesting calendar, if I say so myself. Yeah, um, I just want to flag. Uh, we're we're not just going to London. Uh, we are coming to the glorious people's borough of uh, Newham, uh, where, <laughs> abstract glass recycling aside, Formula E, um, which, you know, I have very much dedicated my life to going to Formula E, and Formula E is finally coming to my house. Oh, perfect. Like, How long it, is it going to take you to get to the track from your 20 house? minutes. Oh, God, you're close. <laughs> Uh, and that's like if there's a bit of traffic. Oh man. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's absolutely. It's not. I don't want people to be confused here. Like this does not belong to London. It's mine. It's your race. They, <laughs> finally, the series has recognized your contributions and decided to give you a doubleheader season finale. Not just a doubleheader season finale. A doubleheader. Indoor outdoor season finale because <laughs> this is being extra. held in a in a convention center, a giant convention hall. This would be like, for instance, you put uh you put most of the New York City Epri inside LaGuardia, or you put a Tokyo Epri inside Makuhari Messe. Oof. Uh damn. Uh so of these, uh, of the returning tracks that we have, do we have any notable changes in the layouts? Um, as far as I'm aware, no. Uh, that doesn't mean that there isn't necessarily. Um, uh, a lot of the tracks are still, like, there's, like, a little asterisk going, like, subject to homologation. Mm -hmm. Um, or sometimes they just make changes, but as far as I'm aware, there's nothing earth-shattering going on. Um, sometimes as they're building the track they have to be like well that curb's weird now um, or whatever because they are real streets so 
um, you know, you, you can't look at a Formula E circuit and be like, yeah, that's absolutely how it's gonna gonna be. Because especially, you know, even when the drivers do the track walk, they might then be like, mate, turn the fucked or whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, in, in principle, there's nothing huge happening. Oh yeah, Seoul is taking a page out of the the uh, uh, the Mexico City E Prix playbook because. Their uh, 2020 circuit for the inaugural Seoul E-Pri, first, uh, first event in South Korea, first major international sporting event since they lost the Formula One Korean Grand Prix at Yongham. Boy, talk about, uh, talk about development projects that did not pan out as well as Shanghai International Circuit did. Um, they will be running their track through the Jamsil Sports Complex. Uh, there's a baseball stadium, there's a big old football stadium, it'll run through a swimming pool. A gymnasium, and then the Jakarta Epri uh, in Indonesia, uh, Resi's event. I was attempting to call this the Resi Respati Grand Prix, but we. I also wanted to just call it the Jaganyayam, the race. Um, this will center around the Jakarta National Monument downtown. Uh, two very interesting layouts. How how big is how big are these events going to be for the long term growth of the sport? Um, I think Jakarta and Seoul. Uh, Jakarta is huge. Um, you know, uh, Indonesia is one of the biggest countries in the world, uh, and not a lot of sport gets there. Um, so, no. Um, and so I, th I think it's going to be really exciting. I'm really excited to see how hyped the Indonesian fans are. Um, Indonesia loves motorsport, so yeah, I think I think it's going to be a huge event. Um, in terms of of attendance and the the energy at that E3 oh, is going to be massive. I, um, I agree. I just love seeing new places that we don't usually get to go to because I, I grew up on Formula One and how rigid most of the people want the calendar beat. It's like only the mm. old markets, only old markets only. That's why I was glad that we got to go to Uruguay and Puerto del Este for so many years because it was different. It was something you don't typically see and it's the same with Jakarta. I'm, I'm hyped for this. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, Punta is a, a genuinely weird one, um, but like, uh, I think Formula E, yes, the calendar has been quite difficult to negotiate this year, and it's obviously not especially optimized in terms of travel. Um, but uh, being able to secure dates at in Seoul and uh, Jakarta is just absolutely massive. Like, there, that's properly like we're not sort of ending up somewhere just for the sake of having an Indonesian race like you know we're going to the capital we're going to the the capital of, of Korea um, and I think I think they're going to be uh, really special events and they're, they're gonna Formula E in building this particular calendar has demonstrated the thing that that makes it like a really good choice for cities which is that it can be really flexible um, uh, and I think you know we have ended up with some races in the past that have been like a little bit compromised like Bern was amazing but we should never ever ever go back there um, I would love to come back to Switzerland because that I always feel like because 
you can only race electric cars there nowadays. That could be like yeah. a crown jewel event. Uh, not back this year. Uh, we lost Hong Kong because of uh, stuff that is well beyond the scope of this motorsport podcast due to the yeah. anti-extradition law amendment bill and the, the counter-protest against it. Uh, so they, that's part of the reason why Marrakesh is back on the calendar. That was a last-minute amendment, uh, somewhat last-minute amendment on a series that has always had a very fluid calendar situation for better or worse shall we say i i mean i think because i think people get very kind of like oh my god because i actually if you um in some other sports like if you had to rearrange a grand prix and reschedule a grand prix like that would be just semi-catastrophic it would be a real nightmare yeah yeah it would would just logistics that are in place so for instance like um the mel uh the um albert park yeah that was what i was trying to say it's really good the season hasn't started and i just actually think my entire brain has melted like i'm already there nothing works um yeah i'm just like okay brilliant there's season six we're into it um uh, but yeah, Albert Park, they start building that track in January for a race that takes place in April. Um, and that... So, yeah, if you then have to rearrange it, if you have to move it forward, if you have to change it to a different part of the year, like, you're in real trouble. Um, whereas Formula E, it, the entire thing is designed that you get in and out within sort of a fortnight, um, that you can move things around that particularly I think in season three Formula E learned to treat the calendar as a movable feast um, because there will be things that happen outside your control like in season three the things that happened were that there was a series of terrorist attacks in city centres in Europe or Western Europe um, and that cancelled and rearranged a whole set of EPRI or like made them have to move to a slightly different location or um, just be reassessed as events because the cities were simply unwilling to license any kind of gathered event. It wasn't that it was particularly Formula E. It was that they were trying to prevent lots and lots of people being any in any one place um, because it, it, in theory, could present a target. At which point, you know, we went back to Tempelhof uh, to solve the Berlin problem and then when Brussels was cancelled, Tempelhof became a doubleheader. Um, and that, like, it's not, uh, I think a lot of people at the time sort of saw it as like, oh, Formula E is such a hot mess, but actually it was incredible that the, the calendar could be rearranged like that. Um, and I think, yeah, there, there, there will be some instability. There's always going to be some unpredictability. Um, we'll probably find that things are, are rearranged or whatever. You know, this time last year, everyone was like, uh, Swiss Epre in unknown Swiss location or whatever. You know. um, so, yeah, I, I kind of, I don't, you don't have to worry too much about if things change in Formula E. Just don't put your flights until the last minute. It's fine. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. And uh, <laughs> Nothing uh, bad King... has ever happened as a consequence. Oh yeah, and King, you you and I remember the day, the late days of OWRS era champ car, where it seemed like 
every year there was always at least one or two straight races that got planned and inevitably got scrapped. Shout out every time they tried to have a Grand Prix in South Korea in 04, 05, and 06. Oh yes, like, man, that was the, like, besides the international rounds, that was just the era of the American street circuit. We did street circuits well before Formula E, we're doing street circuits in city centers. Screams in Boston, Jeep Free. Why do you have to do that to yourself? Oh lord. Oh man. Oh, so, good look at the calendar. Again, we're going to a lot of, a lot of places... Some well-established, some that'll be brand new to a lot of new plans. Two new venues, two double-headers, one to start and one to close out the season. I think it's going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun. And from what I understand, uh, London E-Pre sell, a lot hot, sell like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, people in Britain really love motorsport. Um... Oh, yeah. There's like the you know it is, it is a big heartland of Formula One, um, and motorsport in general, um, and we don't actually have very much, like, proportional to the amount that people are into it, um, so, I think as especially not international stuff, and it's probably because you know we there aren't that many like how many top level series can you have, um, but apart from the like the domestic championships. Yes, the the top level BTCC. Oh yeah, the top level. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I I really love BTCC. I don't know why I'm being rude. Anyway, um, you know, like if you just want to see a bunch of people use cars just for fighting, then like there is and no it might go way all to electric soon, It might go all electric sooner rather than later. It's perfect. Uh, it's, for it's going us. hybrid. It's going hybrid. Oh. So people are mad. Um, As they usually are. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I, to me, that's even better. You could also have a fight with me. It's just multiplying the fighting. Brilliant. <laughs> um, it's like the equivalent of like giving everyone a cheeky vimto. Now all I now I just out. want because I realize that Hazel, London Epre is yours. King, yes. the New York Epre is yours. Come on, uh, Formula E, consider. Downtown Chattanooga is very beautiful, very picturesque, and I'm sure I could draw you up a layout so that way I could walk, I could drive 15 minutes to a world-class motorsport event. Oh, God. <laughs> Tries not to do the cliche of having the, the circuit just revolve around the Tennessee Aquarium that overlooks the skyline. I, I could be into it. I'd be into it as well. I mean, I'm... Ah, uh, man. Ah... Uh, <laughs> I, I tell you what, we can fit that in the calendar. There's actually quite a big gap between Santiago and Mexico. All right, I so don't know just... if you want to be racing in Chattanooga in December. Oh, man. <laughs> or it's, or it's... January. I mean, it, it, to be fair, it's 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 like winter in the deep south is not that terribly cold. Not compared True. to, like, you know, New York City in winter. Oh, definitely. Yeah, nothing like here. Yeah, we're not having like an impromptu Andros Trophy on electric single seater cars. Yeah, you're you're, you're not going to get like three meters of snow overnight. <laughs> well, you say that, but we did manage to go to Derrière last year and just be like, "Hey, what if, guys? What what if, guys? What if 
It rains. <laughs> what if it rains in the middle of the desert? <laughs> it's a step fate. It's a step fate. In a series that's never had a wet race meeting to that point. Oh man, um, that could be a that could be a good spicy bet in our bull predictions towards the end of the show. Oh please, please no! Look, <laughs> I, I, this is really very important to me and to everyone in Formula E. So, like, if you speak to people about last season, mm-hmm. like. And just in any way, or like sometimes it's just spontaneous anyway, but like last season was so wet. It was wet in Riyadh. It was like basically New York and Santiago were the only dry races. And it was like, even if it wasn't um, raining during the the on-track sessions, it would be like the race would finish and the skies would open. And so like you were wet the entire time. And because Formula E doesn't have, like, proper buildings in most of the places we go, it would be, like, wet and there'd be, like, water flowing everywhere and you'd just be walking around, like, because we just have tents or marquees. Shouldn't call them tents, right? (laughs) It makes it sound a little bit more Bedouin than we really are. It's like, whoa, Um, whoa. Tents are very distinguished. Yeah. That's true. Um, true. So, like, everyone was so wet. Like, I think a lot about the time in Hong Kong where I just, like, I'd just thrown away one pair of shoes and put on my emergency pair of shoes. And I, like, basically the bit I was standing on, on, like, a raised floor in the media centre collapsed and (laughs) sent me into a puddle. And I just honestly, like, stood there, just not even able to, like, move or have hope anymore, (laughs) just thinking, like, my feet are actually never going to be dry again. Yeah, soggy um, shoes at Suzuka Circuit during a rainy practice session at the 10 hours. Never again. Though I yeah. will likely experience that at <laughs> some point in the future. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, you know, it, it sounds so whingy, but when you're somewhere for, like, 17 hours a day, and your oh, feet yeah. are wet yeah, at the really start is. of the day, it just, and it makes the teams really miserable as well, because obviously, like, you're having to kind of, like, um try and protect the equipment and like the drivers are moody and like it's just it's all a downer um uh but i also have a theory oh yeah and my theory is currently supporting the idea of a dry season mm-hmm. uh which is if it is uh wet at valencia testing which my god it was last season um then wet season if it's dry in valencia dry season and it was dry uh-huh. So this is kind of so Valencia kind of serves like our Groundhog Day, where if, yeah. where if it rains, you get six more weeks of rain rain effect races. Yeah, um, so I mean, I, you know, as as somebody who works in, on explaining scientific and technological ideas, um, I I think that this pseudo astrological <laughs> um, pred- prediction it's completely watertight. Well, I mean, good news. The the later Asian rounds in Korea and Indonesia take place before the typhoon season starts. Woo! All right, let's go. (laughs) Sweet. All right. Um, Puts puts in personal notes. Memphis Epre inside Bass Pro Shops Pyramid. (laughs) We're not racing in the pyramid. We're absolutely racing inside the Bass Pro Shops Pyramid. (laughs) If we can race in the Excel Center, we can do anything. 
So, so Hazel, I assume you've never heard of the Bass Pro Shops Pyramid, the the former NBA basketball He's... arena that was converted into a sporting goods shop. Oh, that's actually kind of even better than I was hoping, which I was sort of, in my head, um, I'd gone directly to, you know, there was like a really, really intense PS4 advert for like pro fishing a few months ago, <laughs> uh, with like a Kanye West soundtrack, um, and because Bass now, whenever I... <laughs> oh no, that is like... the Bass Pro Shops Pyramid, it's the, it's literally that extra, it's that extra. Yeah. So I, I, I was just imagining like a really intense fishing shop, but also yes. like a fishing arena. Yes. No, it no, it's, it's, a... it's the most intense fishing shop you'll ever go to. Because it's oh, a fishing shop that was sorry. a converted 20,000-seat stadium that hosted the Tyson vs. Lewis super fight in earlier the century. <laughs> and it is no, wait, a pyramid. I, I support your bid. Okay. Um, but yeah, so... Calendar's pretty good. Yes. Very good calendar. I think calendar. it's going to be fine. Very good calendar. Come to some of the races if they're nearby. Especially because two of my two co-hosts for tonight, one of our most fervent supporters and backers, they'll have a priest. Definitely go check it out. So, we've got a pretty damn big grid here. Uh, 12 teams, 24 cars, and I figured what I would do is I would split these into neat uh, segments of four, starting with a brand new team, a kind of new team, and the two backmarkers of last season, one of which has changed ownership. Uh, These teams would include... <clears throat> I want to make sure I have this right. Tag Hoyer Porsche Formula E team. They of the greatest program launch in Formula E in motorsport history. Uh, with a reunion of part of their 2017 World Endurance Championship lineup. Neil Yanni from Switzerland finally committing to a full season. And Super GT legend and champ car guy Andre Lauder moving over from DS to Cheetah. Uh, don't call them HWA Race Lab. They've been here for at least a season. Mercedes-Benz EQ Formula E team with Stoffel Van Dorn and Nick DeVries out here partying like it's the McLaren Junior team from 2013. And they still had aspirations of making it to there. Oh, no. Uh, under new ownership, the Neo Triple Three Formula E team with the returning Oliver Turvey and local hero, and I want to make sure because I had, I had a correction on this pronunciation. I want to say, make sure I had this right. It's Chinghua Ma making his return to the circuit, and the last of the teams in this group, the all-American Giat's Dragon Racing, with not the owner of IndyCar and IMS, Jay Penske leading the helm, and an all-rookie duo of two-time World Endurance Drivers Champion and Toro Rosso alum Brendan Hartley and DTM runner-up Nico Mueller. Uh, and just, just a quick note. 
uh, about the sale of IMS. Did find out which Penske is in charge of Penske Entertainment Corporation. Mm-hmm. It is uh, Jay's brother, Greg. Thank God. <laughs> Greg Penske. <laughs> There's a Greg Penske. Oh, there are, there are a lot of Penskes out there. Yes, I, 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 I'm just imagining like somebody uh, wearing exactly the same sunglasses as Jay. Oh no, he, Jay is nothing doing like his Really intensely. <laughs> okay, so out of this group, we have one brand new and one heavily rebranded. Two German factory teams. Let's just call them what they are. Two German factory teams that weren't there in this guy's last season. They are there this season. A lot of talent on these teams. Uh, What kind of first, or in Mercedes' case, I guess second-year teething pains, do you expect for both? Um, uh, A ton. Uh, Porsche have no idea what they're doing. Like, literally no idea. Um, Good news, Cam! <laughs> uh, I, I cannot... I, if they put it together this weekend, it's going to be pure flick. And they, they know the, it as well. They got um, the drivers to do it. Certainly. Yeah, but I mean, that's that doesn't matter. They, like, yeah, so, um, for instance, Audi, when they took over the very successful Abt... Schaeffler Formula E team and they've been kind of looping around and they kept their drivers, they had the you know, current champion and they just shat it for like the whole first half of season 4 Yeah, they just absolutely fucking shat the bed and that was after taking over a team that had already been established from season 1, yeah. they put their full factory health behind it and we'll talk about it when we get to them in our preview uh, they gotta find a way to stop digging themselves in early season holes and trying to keep coming back from that. Um, yeah. Mercedes Benz, um, hilarious Mercedes, difference. I so Mercedes have really really good people, but they had really good people last year. So the guy who Audi lost um, in the Abt takeover, Franco Ciacchetti, who's possibly the most successful Formula E engineer ever. Actually, mm-hmm. no, I'm not. I, might need to look at that, but I feel like he's probably been like associated with the most podiums. Um, that's probably rubbish. Who knows? Anyway, um, uh, he came from Ab Schaeffler to HWA Race Lab. They also had um, Tony Ross, Bottas's old F1 engineer, um, and you know, who had also been Rosberg's F1 engineer, so like had, had gone to a, had got a championship, um, and they really struggled. Yeah, they had a different powertrain, they weren't expecting to be a front runner, but the thing about Formula E is that the format is just brutal. Like, oh, really you do is. not have time to, and every manufacturer does this, they're like, we're gonna do it properly. <laughs> gonna do it properly. We're not gonna look like clowns. We're gonna just put in place all these processes, and it's like, no, you have to think on your feet, and you have to just have decisions that are made on the right. spot. Which is why sometimes you get teams like Mahindra, um, who have much less resource. But for instance, in Berlin in season three, they were the people who did something and worked out how to get the tires. 
oh yeah because they they were sort of not worrying about it too much they were just like okay we need to we need to kind of um and honestly like and honestly not to like interject but i think it's like kind of no, cool no, no. to see like uh you know you can't just throw all of your mighty manufacturer heft and just blow out the series from day one it, it's it's kind of refreshing in a way that Porsche and Mercedes do have to work to establish themselves. I mean, you saw last season, Soffel Van Dorn was mighty quick, but didn't often have the luck, uh, reminiscent of his entire F1 stay. Also, Hector Freeze is a very small man, but he made a very, very big career move. Uh, I think... De- <coughs> Sorry. Um, I think DeVries is um, making an incredibly smart choice. Um, I don't think there was... DeVries does not have the backing to get to Formula 1. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't. He has neither the factory associations nor um, the connections. And to be honest, he, ha- I mean, he has been circling Formula E for some time. He... Um, has done rookie tests for Audi. Yes, he has. Um, and he was Audi's reserve driver in uh, season four. Um, so, because the constructors was very tight with Toshita that year, he was in New York and he, well, he was at all of the rounds just in case you know. I don't know. Lucas got food poisoning or whatever. Um, and uh, I think, like Maxi Gunter, he has consciously headed to Formula E. Which is good. Um, it's, a, it's a very good. It's a very good choice, and, and certainly Gunther, DeVries, they're not going to be the last to make Formula E a career move rather than a fallback. No, indeed, and and like you know, you can see it's worked out for drivers like Mitch Evans, who was, or Sam Bird, um, both of whom were kind of fading into obscurity in GP two, mm-hmm. um, or what what was then GP two, uh, and like there just wasn't anywhere for them to go and taking the leap of faith uh, put both of them into positions where they're now race winners where they're they're in teams where they you know you would consider both of them the lead driver in each of the teams um and Evans is is now like a very so you know he could ask Jaguar for any money he wanted probably oh, yeah. <laughs> um get to that uh, middle segment of the show um neo change of ownership uh lee shang yeah. racing now owns a team where we were kind of worried if they were going to be on the grid at all they are here um oliver turvey's still there jing lama uh still kind of got to prove that he's more than just a zero-sum quantity there to please the home crowd um expectations kind of on the floor a bit it's looking like unless I'm missing something there uh, I mean I the expectation is subterranean um, so what happened with the team is that they they have Neo are the title sponsor in the sense that they're using Neo's trucks mm-hmm. and they haven't had to put a different thing over them so uh, but Neo wouldn't let them use the powertrain that had been developed. Um, so uh, the team had to find a new one very quickly. Um, 
that's quite difficult. So, uh, I mean, really, it was incredibly shaky that they managed to put together anything at all. Yeah. Um, so, so you're telling me that not only did they purchase the worst team in the field, but also they had to start from essentially square one. Yeah, where you can recall, I, I mean, it's, this was it's, the China racing team that won the inaugural title with Nelsinho Piquet. May he never be forgotten. But this is also the same team that, note, no team has finished last in multiple seasons in this championship. Oliver Turvey had to And finished both seasons. Oliver Turvey had to work to get seven points out of these cars. Yeah. um, I... I I really feel for 3-3-3 racing, like, at testing, it was fucking painful looking in their garage like at testing all of the teams have like obviously loads of spare parts but when your idiot driver inevitably spanks it into the pit wall or something um they have tons and tons and tons of computers because it's like there's no limitation on i mean you you can't do sensory things and and stuff in the same way that you can at formula one testing because telemetry is still not really allowed but like you can run as much data you can be live building software and sticking it into the car you know um and and all the the hardware is homologated by that point so you can't change anything about the way that your powertrain is made um but you can adjust lots and lots of things on it um and they just didn't have anything like their garage was empty um, they have no budget or they're uh, rebuilding budget currently um, they have uh, an old dragon powertrain, it's actually the season 3 powertrain mm. so mm. that's not even this generation uh, and, well sorry I should just say actually like this is this is an unofficially known fact that it's season 3 um, uh, it's you know, that's not built for 250 kilometers. Jesus Christmas. I'm going to be worried if they can even see out the full season at this rate, which would obviously really, really suck because uh, Oliver Turvey's been with that team since the very end of season one, and, yeah. and he's been working his ass off to try and keep that team competitive. As a, From all we can as a driver, it, it would be a shame if we lost them, but obviously that's a very difficult situation. Uh Dragon, Dragon Racing, no Gunther, no Ma- no Nazar, uh, no Pachita Lopez. They have swept the depths with all rookies. Uh, Mueller was an interesting choice. You can read more about his appointment on Inside Electric. Um, but Hartley, um, two, two names with potential, two with mm-hmm. very good single-seater and sports car racing backgrounds. I like the look at this team. Am I talking myself too much into Dragon Racing's prospects? I, I like the mm. drivers. Uh, I I think it'll be interesting. I mean, Gunter showed last year, and then like previously, um, you know, D'Ambrosio got podium in season four um, for Dragon, and like Pachito has certainly pulled some great results out of his ass there. Um, not so much last season, but in the previous. And I think 
don't know. I mean, they might be great. I, I think they they might. I think there'll be a ta- team that might be able to. There, there are some really good people at Dragon. Um, there are also some really significant problems in that team, and there always have been. Yeah. Um, I've never seen a team consistently have the same known and quite public issues year on year and not collapse so like there's a there's a lot of stuff keeping the wheels on there but it's 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 a weird situation um Muller uh, has tested a lot he nearly got Daniel Abtsy mm-hmm. um a lot of people rate him out of DTM uh, in a sense Formula E is quite well matched for people who have driven sports cars um because um it's sort of you know, there's also no grip, there's no downforce, it's heavy uh, and bulky and whatever. Um, so he uh, might be really good. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I look back, he, he does have single-seater experience before. Keep in mind, his last year in the Formula Renault 3.5 series, he only finished behind two other drivers on this grid, one who's in Formula 1 and one Will the Lad Stevens of Motorsport 101 intro fame. That's pretty solid company, if I say so myself. Guy's good. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and Nico's like very highly rated. He's an Audi factory driver. Um, Audi certainly have him in Formula E because they are keep keeping Daniel scared, basically. Um, I think, and, and you know, obviously, Brendan is a Porsche factory driver. Yeah, Brendan's a bit as, more as I understand it at this point. Yeah, I, th- I think, as I understand it, Brendan has actually had to drop out of the Porsche factory program in order oh. to take the seat. But I don't... I, it's not a cold boot, is it? You know, like, technically, Andre wasn't a Porsche factory driver whilst he was at Tachita. Um So, yeah, I, uh, like, you know, I, d- I, don't, I don't think we can assume that Brendan is kicked out of the home there um nah he'll find his way back i feel yeah i mean to be honest i i think if the relationships with two large manufacturers uh can be managed in that team um then they'll have a great time if they can't i expect both of them to be fired by race three (laughs) um Um, bring back pachito you know Mid, mid-tier teams mid-tier teams at this point we have Venturi now with the Mercedes EQ powertrains with the, the double M's Felipe Massa and Eduardo Mortara uh, former race winner Panasonic Jaguar Racing is going to party like it's the 2013 GP2 series with Mitch Bra Evans and newcomer James Collado Mahindra Retain, Pascal Verline and Jerome D'Ambrogio and the BMW Formula E team have a way to line up Alexander Sims stays, Matsy Gunther uh, alongside him. This is a very interesting, I guess, uh, middle four of the pack. Uh, all of them have won races or have the capability to win races at the drop of a hat. Some very interesting teams here. Yeah. Um, I think 
I think this is probably the zone that's that's kind of the most most unrepresented by their finishing position. Um, I think Jaguar had a lot more potentially last year. I think I think Jaguar. I think Jaguar are a real threat this year. Um, yeah, I it, agree. with Mitch, I, I like let's not worry about Colado, but um, uh, I think Mitch, is, you know, Mitch is very hungry and is incredibly skilled, and I, I think we will see him certainly as a, a credible threat in the drivers. Um, Mahindra again, they are, they've made some really big changes operationally to try and stop what has been the story for the last two seasons which is that they come in great and then kind of lose it uh, mid-season um, yeah, they BMW, almost have the opposite effect of out each year yes yeah yeah um, BMW put it together in New York in a way that it's like no this is like that wasn't a fluke in Riyadh or well Riyadh was a fluke but they've then come back to it um, and got to a position where they, they can consistently deliver performance. Um, they've got two quick drivers. You know, um, let's see what happens. Um, and Vontree... Vontree are the other team with the Mercedes powertrain. But Vontree have... Uh, this is their sixth year mm-hmm. of experience. Um, we know that Mortara is quick. We know that actually Massa is massively on one in Formula E. Like... Mm. Um, like people tend to write him off a bit, but like for instance in Monaco, he wasn't, he was he was going for it, um, and I think you know again, they are the kind of team that has the potential to grab points where others can't because they just simply can't move fast enough, um, or don't have the imagination. Mortaro is also an incredible incredibly great driver at energy conservation. Oh yeah. So if that does come back, we would I expect to see him kind of able to exploit that in a way that maybe some others won't. Yeah. For me, um, obviously, uh, uh, I mean, there's, I'm, and I'm very interested to see how Massa progresses in his second season to see um, whether or not he's there to have a second win or to just quietly. Uh, fade out in the sunset in Formula E. Um, Matsy Gunther at BMW. That's going to be pretty damn fun to watch because we saw what he could do in a, as was alluded to, uh, kind of dysfunctional Dragon team with without running all the races, mind you. And mm. Gunther at BMW, a team that has won races last season, looked pretty damn good in testing last year. They looked solid again in testing this year. Um, I'm tipping Gunther for big things. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, I think I think we should absolutely consider uh, you know, Gunther kept his head during a, a implausibly stupid situation um, at Dragon. Um, you know, he was in the car he had a full season contract, he was out of the car, he allegedly only had a three race contract, he was back into the car, or well, he was attending races as the reserve driver um, to fulfil his element of the contract, and then he was back into the car. Um, but he was only ever given race on race. 
So until Burn, he or he he didn't know if he would finish the season until after Burn, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, like you're not even allowed well. to make try changes that late. Actually. Felipe Mazur is not a bad driver at all. We know this from his exploits in single seaters and in sports cars. But mm. Gunther was much more locked and loaded. He should have sought out the full season, and now, good health willing, he will with BMW uh, alongside a, another solid driver and Alex Sims. Alex Sims is really fast. This guy glasses. Um, yeah. He, <laughs> He kind of, because he looks a bit like nerdy, and everyone says he wears dad jeans and whatever. Like people forget that like Alex Sims is a really successful driver, um, oh, yeah. because no he's that. fast as hell. Um, and we saw that in New York, like New York was the you know Antonio got his podium on day one, and on the second day he he took it himself. Um, and I think. I think that was the point at which you know he's now got a season under his belt and the team has a season under their belts and they'll be able to make those reactive decisions make those calls just on so, so much of a more informed basis because when you have like 20 minutes between sessions and you need it that you could usefully do anything in um, you have to just be able to make the exact right call at that point uh, and which is why experience counts so much and they now have that I I think BMW will be I think people are getting very hyped for Mercedes and Porsche and to some extent Audi uh, but I actually genuinely think um, BMW are probably sort of like th they'll be the manufacturer that we see like a, a big step forward in terms of consistency we knew they could put it together last year um, but I think I think we'll see that pay off in a bigger way and more more often oh definitely um, and we get up to our kind of our top four um, if any teams mm. out of the last four teams we just talked about they'll have to go through these teams Nissan Edams are back single motor uh, single motor and everything Sebastian Buemi, the resurgent Sebastian Buemi, and uh, and qualifying maestro Oliver Rowland, his second full season, and Vision Virgin Racing about here to party like it's the 2012 Formula Renault 3.5 series with Sam Bird and Robin Frins. Audi Sport Apt Schaeffler retain the uh, ever-present, the evergreen duo of Lucas Degrassi and Daniel Apt, and of course your reigning, defending, undisputed, Electric Formula Champions of the World, DS Tachita, John Eric Byrne going for three in a row with his new teammate, Antonio Felix da Costa. So much talent, so much success up in this upper third of the grid. But as one bromance ends, we turn our attention to a somewhat different bromance in Byrne and da Costa to... Two former Red Bull Juniors, two drivers who've had success in Formula E, uh, two title contenders within the same squad? I think so. I really, really think so. Yeah, I'm, and Antonio's fast. Antonio's fucking quick. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
they're like it i fear tachita being like they are the team to beat but usually when you go into formula e race weekend there there isn't like the ever-present threat that a team could just win any given race weekend i'm feeling that tachita might be the first team to put themselves in that position I just wonder, though, would it run the risk of imploding if these two boys start? If these two <laughs> kids start to, if these two kids start to feel their own championship challenges, well, will because I don't think there's a number one to number two driver amongst them. Um. Well, one of the mines a chunk of the team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and also a three-time uh, champion. So yeah. two-time champion I, going. Oh, two-time. <laughs> Um, and no, I mean, I, I, I actually, I, I absolutely do not think that Jeff would use that as a sort of like kosh on his teammate. Um, I think that he, he knows how important it is to him to have a teammate that he can work with. Um, he is, his functionality, his competitiveness is incredibly dependent on the relationship with his teammate. Um, so I, I I don't think that Jeff would pull something like that um, yeah I think I think they are the team to beat um, I, you know Jeff obviously has, has a target on his back he's champion two times um, everyone will be looking to be faster than Tachita oh yes indeed Audi we talked about Audi, they have a tendency, they, they have a track record. They dig themselves mm. in an early hole and somehow almost come back from the absolute brink to almost win the championship in the end. Uh, plenty of continuity with the driver lineup. Uh, motorsports' favorite tech bro and motorsports' most affable social media personality. Um, they they kind of can't get away with... Uh, with digging themselves in these early holes, starting out the season like hot garbage, and then miraculously surging up to the front, they gotta get a good start. I feel because it's too competitive now. Um, yeah, uh, the like Audi need to stop making mistakes. Um, they need uh, they're not to be kind of like broken parts on the cars. Uh, you know, yeah, that is where they've lost the last two championships, um, and it it gets old really fast. Um, I think I think they probably can do that. I think uh, it has been insanely painful to them having that sort of early bad period each year. And that we can probably expect to see that improve a lot. Um, they have the only 100% consistent driver lineup in the history of Formula E. Mm. Um, this will be the sixth year of Lucas and Daniel. Um, yeah. And it wasn't a guarantee, drivers. as we mentioned, because Daniel Spot no. also almost went to Nico Mueller. Yeah, which I, I honestly think would have been one of the most insane choices possible. Um, Daniel and Lucas's partnership is something that helps the team a lot, um, and you know I, I have the feeling probably in the end that that Lucas kind of like 
put his foot down a bit and, and insisted on Daniel. Um, you know, they are the, the Carlos and Lando of Formulary. Um, uh, somewhat more mismatched than that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, they, they. Yeah, in a post John Dre world. <laughs> I never thought I'd hear the day of a post-Jandre world. On the other hand, uh, this other Audi powertrain team, Sam Bird, mm-hmm. Robin Friends, always competitive for wins. Both drivers won uh, last season, but uh, they've they've got to start. Because uh, I feel like Sam's got to be sick and tired of playing the uh, the, the bridesmaid in, in this case of... Mm. Comp- looking like a strong title contender, but ultimately never being able to break through. And the same goes for Robin Friends, I feel, who, who has always been like that immense potential from the day he first like ejected into our consciousness as like a future star. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Virgin will be. Virgin will definitely be be up there. Um, operationally, they are one of the best teams. They don't make dumb mistakes. Um, they'll have runs of bad luck for sure. But Virgin, on the whole, like if you look over the course of Formula E, they haven't made like stupid errors. They're not out there getting fined for incorrectly installed battery software or like. Um, underwear offences or getting their race results deleted because they put the wrong bits in the car or like you know whatever Um, so I think and that all sounds like staggeringly stupid stuff like obviously if you're a race race team as a minimum you shouldn't be doing this but every other team is doing it and consistently so uh, yeah I I think I think it will be interesting to see them it's the second year of having the Audi powertrain they're in a much more prepared place like I mean for instance season 4 um the the then DS sort of virgin were kind of imploding Mm -hmm. um certainly within the the relationship to DS they had not had a single upgrade to that powertrain since the end of season 3 because they'd they ended up in a big row with DS who were leaving for Tachita. Oh, yeah. Um, so for the whole of season four, they had no upgrades whatsoever. And they st- Sam was still the last one standing to take the title fight to Jeff. Um, so, and that was because even though what they had, and, you know, it really screwed poor Alex Lynn, but um, the the team was able to consistently put it together and to help Sam get up there. Um, and it, like Mahindra based their kind of restructure actually on trying to be more like Envision Virgin because they identified them as, as this very good logistical operational team. Um, so I think, I think it, it, they almost feel like an anomaly at the top because it's like, well, they're a sort of cust- Audi customer team, kind of, and they're, like, they are a sort of semi-private team, like, they're not, they're not, they don't have a name like Audi on them, 
Um, apart from on obviously somewhere on the cars. Um, but they do have the Virgin name, which is kind of big in the United Kingdom. That's that's not nothing. It's not a, like a big car name, but that's that ain't that ain't a nothing name. No, but curiously, Virgin actually don't own any of the race team anymore. Richard Branson sold his shares. Okay, so, so, yeah, at, that's a big head scratch. At the end of season four, they were like not DS, not Virgin. Um, but like, anyway. Um, One of our uh, listeners points out Lotus F1 has entered in the chat. Which iteration of it? We're <laughs> we talking Lotus, Lotus Pacific, Lotus the second, Lotus the third. <laughs> Reply short, just yes. Short answer just yes. Um, don't know if you know this, but times things aren't good in the Nissan Renault Alliance. Uh, <laughs> not a good quarter. Uh, Nissan E-Dams is pretty much the focal point of Nissan's motorsport activities. Single motor design. They took a lot of poles last season. Lemmy finally broke the windless drought. Interesting to see what Roland will accomplish in his second season. Will he struggle? Will he make forward progress into the echelon of the title contenders? I know the car does not change its brake bias manually. I, I don't think it does, at least. <laughs> uh, um, oh, my God. I, I can't wait for this season to just be non-stop bullshit. Um... In the sense that, like, so when I was testing, if you, like, stood still too long in a pit lane, somebody from one team would be like, oh, you know the team next door? They've, uh, we, we reckon they've, they could get an extra two seconds out of the lap and that they've turned everything down. And it'd just be like Mercedes saying it about Mahindra, Mahindra saying it about Paul. <laughs> Everyone I, I had, think, like... I think they're hitting at you, hey... We think they're cheating. Could you, like, investigate that, please? <laughs> I don't know, completely, like, absolutely. And, like, all of, I mean, it's just nonsense. And aside from everything else, you can't tell anything about anything in Valencia. Uh, probably everyone was turning it down. Um, but, because uh, it's, you know, it's nothing like a Formula E track, so who knows. Um, but... Yeah, I did. I mean, this season is just going to be like if you think uh, flywheel gate last year, which, and I know I've said this a lot, but if Nissan somehow put a flywheel in their most generator units that was in any way effective, I uh, like there's some really frightening minds working at Nissan that just like physics is just irrelevant to them. Um, uh, but yeah, if you think flywheel gate where everyone was like to use Boimi's phrase crying all the time about the powertrain um, last season like it, it, that that's going to look like a bit of the old oh, I don't know season 2 whining compared to the, the burn um, grid restart uh <laughs> Meltdown that is going to be everyone else going like, oh, Mercedes have got boots that they filled with mice, and like, yeah. I heard Neo Triple Three are just straight up building the Blue Falcon from F Zero. Yeah, that's that's they, gonna be their not, edge. They're they're actually going to hover. <laughs> they're not using a powertrain. 
which yes, saves on weight. They have developed anti-gravity technology. We need to appeal this now. Boy, I am, I'm very excited to see what AG Systems pull off this season. Uh, I know it's, <laughs> it's going to be very early, but, uh, you know, once they get the Quake Disruptors up and running, perfect. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, the whole thing is just is just going to be, like, just non-stop madness. Um, I want to talk about Oliver Rowland, Mr. Greggs himself. Mr. Greggs himself. <laughs> when, when Ollie Rowland, and I deeply relate to this, like, I want to say this is, like, one of the greatest, and I, I don't say this in a mean way. I, like, I love Ollie. Um, and when he was the Williams reserve driver, he got, like, his trainer or whoever, the team or whoever banned him from Greg's. Wait, what? Um, Greg's is sort of like um, patisserie chain in the UK, uh, where you can get, like, you know, at the time it was like four sausage rolls for two pounds or something. Um, uh, and Ollie is sturdily built for a racing driver. And he got banned from Greg's. <laughs> Sad times. <laughs> when Williams decided to just ban you from, from the <laughs> Oh my goodness. I, I think that was when they lost their way. <laughs> um. And to be fair, this is not like the age-old internet tale. Oliver Rowland, to what we know, was not being called ra- does not being racist in a Greg's. <laughs> Heavens no. No, it's no. the opposite. He improved it. Um, uh, but yeah, he, he, at the time, had very different management. Um, so when I first spoke to Ollie, um, when, uh, basically when he got the Nissan Edam seat, uh, from Alexander Alban exiting, and Ollie said that he had wanted to be in Formula E for ages, um, he did a stand-in race in season two. He replaced uh, Nick Heidfeld for one race at Mahindra. Oh yeah, I remember and that. He was really uh, he'd wanted to come back. It had actually been where he was aiming for, but his management said that if that like he should try and focus on Formula One, which was just so obviously not happening. He didn't have um, results or backing really. Um, he didn't have the backing to get into machinery that would get results and he didn't have the backing to get all of the things that can accelerate you to those results like extra testing time um, you know the the 200 odd single seater races that Lando Norris did before he got to F2 and whatever yeah. um, which isn't shit on Lando he's obviously a very talented driver but like the, that is how you get good um, especially you've got the grinding yeah um, and Ollie was, was kind of getting older without those opportunities. So, um, which, you know, is, is, is partly why things like W Series are great, because they give races not the funding for, say, a whole season of F2 or whatever, like, because that's silly money, it's like 2 million euro. Um, but uh, they give enough money that someone like Marta Garcia can fuck off to New Zealand and spend the winter doing winter Toyota winter series mm-hmm. um, which is exactly the kind of thing like if you've got money then you are constantly doing like you're, you're not just doing like British F4 you're doing like Danish and French and you know Italian F4 all yeah, the you're same just doing F4 every single yeah. weekend across Europe shout yeah, out to so Junota you, 
Yes, exactly. And as a consequence, you are gaining so much experience compared to somebody who manages to scrape enough together to do British F4. Um, so of course you're going to be better because you've done, you've just done more. Um, and that's why you get, that's a, one of the problems with people being written off if they haven't done it by like age 22 is is because it's just an acceleration of the already staggering costs involved in a junior career. Anyway, that's by the by. Uh, but um, yeah, so Ollie, Ollie wanted to come back to Formula E um, and got rid of his management at one point. Um, somebody just mentioned in the text chat like uh, there was a point where his management were telling, uh, sending out press releases saying he was going to get the Williams seat. I don't know if it was, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what was going on there, but I don't think it was kind of his fault. Um, and, uh, yeah, he seems to have some better people representing him, and he, he, he got the um, uh, the seat in Nissan Ejams. He had no expectations whatsoever last year. Um, you know, this was a car he hadn't been involved in developing. Buemi had essentially done all the setup for it, and he yeah. had literally half a day's testing. Yeah, um, I wonder what happened to their other driver that they had in place. Hmm. I I I heard someone biffed him uh, in the final lap of a of a race, so he's having a very formal time. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, right at home. Uh, oh my god, man! I forgot how great the racist Greg's thing is. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. Um, uh, this year, Roland has to do more than not be shit. So, I think That's a very, very, um, he was he was good last year. He was quick, but oftentimes he was just a bit unlucky. He was and good. He wasn't e dams good. Yeah. I mean, I he, he was probably further too. along than Prost would have been. Um, but I think, you know, and there was a point where, like, I mean, let's not forget that for a large chunk of the year, Ollie was utterly battering Sebastian, who is the most successful Formula E driver the ever. The most successful driver. When Sebastian Wemmy is on, he makes it look clinical. Yeah. Um, and he was not on. Um, and... Uh, and he knew he wasn't. He's known he's been off the boil since sort of halfway through season four, which is not not really the lingering just, effects. It of, just wasn't of the Montreal incident. The <laughs> incident. <laughs> I genuinely think. Um, well, I have a lot of theories about it, but I think basically losing the title to Lucas really affected him psychologically um so not that specific meltdown but the events of Marseille um because he had come in with such a lead and it had just he had made mistakes and it was his fault he crashed the car so the car was disqualified from race one and like it 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 was on him in the end um and so I think you know, the team couldn't have done much more. They rebuilt the car from basically not much um, in in a matter of hours, and and he himself lost it in those those two days. 
from a colossal lead, despite having missed two races. Um, and been like basically so jet lagged he couldn't function for another one. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Sebastian has put himself back together, and, and you know he's in a sort of quieter way. Uh, been having there's a couple of races who've had like really dark bits in the last few years mm. um so he he's had to come out of this like just is just not being able to get it together and that's the thing with Fornery because you have so little time you can't like go in and be like okay I'm gonna get I'm gonna try and put it all out of my brain and get it together on Friday and then if I have a good Friday then I can hopefully go into a good Saturday and if I have a good if I can have a clean Saturday then hopefully you know we'll build up confidence for Sunday it's like no boom you are in don't fuck up yeah um and uh which which is like it is quite psychologically intense well it's extremely psychologically intense it really is um uh so Buemi has been quietly having a sort of like less dramatic version of Jev having to learn how to put himself back together and and to be fair Roland has actually been kind of doing the same thing um which is uh he told me a few other journalists um in a round table at Valencia like what he was doing was um he had quite a few crashes in qualifying and like silly weird incidents and it was basically like if he couldn't get pole if he couldn't get a podium he kind of couldn't almost couldn't get anything some of the time um it was like success or bust and it was because because he knew that some of the time pole was possible some of the time a second place finish was possible um he would push so hard in circumstances where like actually okay today pole is not possible but if you bring home fifth or sixth that's good points mm-hmm. and you need to you need to drive the car you have on the day on the track that you that is there not a theoretical other thing there's no car on the formula e grid that right. will be the pole sitter in every city uh, and every circumstance and every you know like just the weather will change, the dust will change, the tyres will be doing something different, your particular powertrain won't be set up for wherever. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think both of them have had... Uh, like, sort of off-screen, as it were. They, um, they're, they seem like chances they're in a to put themselves place. back together. They're in a better place yeah, than yeah. they were at the start of last season. Obviously, we saw Buemi come back from basically nowhere to finish second in the championship on the final day of the season um and roland of course he's got potential as well um are we ready for some bold predictions oh (laughs) Oh, no oh my god Hit, hit me with your bold predictions okay um i can i can i'm gonna toss out some i'm gonna toss out some categories uh uh, I, I want to give you all. I want to get some like snap reaction. Um, how many different winners are we gonna have to start the season? Six. I think we're gonna get six different winners. Nine. 
left. Wow. Nice. Okay. Um, God, um, how many different poll winners do we have this season? Seven. Yeah, I'm going to say seven soon. I'm counting five drivers off the top of my head who haven't seeded like a like at least a half a season that I would consider for rookie of the year. Yanni, DeVries, Hartley, Mueller, Collado, who takes rookie of the year honors. Uh Hartley. I'm gonna go DeVries. Um I'm I'm kind of inclined to say Nico Mueller. So it's a gut feeling. I'm not saying I'm not saying Harvey, <laughs> Hartley DeVries aren't good, but uh, think uh, stranger things have happened before, I suppose. Uh, do Neo Triple Three see out the full season? Ooh, I think they make it to the end, but they will become the first Formula th- <laughs> Formula E team to finish last in the championship in three different seasons. Woo! Um, uh, I think they will make it to the end. Um, it's it's just going to be painful though. It's going to be Williams this year, you know. Um, I I think uh, I think they will make it to the end. They have a plan for getting out of this situation, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, it involves having to go through it. <laughs> uh, um, I I actually think they are probably in a you know there's you don't have to dig very far to find accounts of who could be blamed for the situation at Neo as it was um, uh, and over the last few years and I think that um, there's probably going to be some interesting revelations all round about that this mm. year um, including some big ones uh, and uh, involving some big numbers um, and I think uh, that um, you know, there's a lot of people there who worked so hard to save it. If there wasn't a plan for the future uh, and a plan for how they get past this situation, it wouldn't have been saved. Mm-hmm. Um, give me, um, give me a driver who will win their first Formula E race. First career Formula E race this season. Maxi Gunther. Yeah. Everybody's Alex going. Sims, actually. Alex Sims. Um, I'm I'm still on board. Uh, I think. No, Pascal Verline. Oh, uh, yeah, Pascal has yet to win a race. Took the I, f- I forgot he hadn't won a race. <sighs> yeah, he's he's due. He's due one, folks. Um, beards. Um, mm. How power? How effective will they be in this championship? <laughs> now, I know that you kind of like ask for predictions, and I don't really make predictions um, because of like vile superstitious reasons. Um, oh, I but, I do have one bold prediction I want to throw out there. There'll definitely oh, be in. a red flag in London. Uh, ooh, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> uh, there, there will be yes. Um, aside from anything else, it's quite a long queue at the bar, so uh, at the Fox at the XL. So I'm going to need one red flag period to, to get back to the news center. Um, I need more weather spoons related F1 Formula E driver memes. 
<laughs> well, see, because I, I want to take them... I want to take some of the drivers on a tour of, like, the weird bits around there and, like, take them to... Uh, take them on the secret boat and, like... Um, I, I, I think I've resigned myself to the fact that people probably will find it very funny if I interview them on the cable car that scares me so stupidly um, <laughs> that I can basically barely function whilst I'm on it. Um, just thinking about it, my entire body is like tensed up and my feet are sweating. Um, uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, that will all be great content. Um, beards. Um, I, I want to flag. Uh, not with a red flag. Uh, I, I, I want a green flag this endeavour. Um, that after Formula E asked the drivers who had the best beard at the end of last season as part of the Buemis, um or the Buemis or whatever, uh, they have been working on it. Even Mitch Evans gave it a crack. Um, I cannot imagine him with facial hair. I have to say, actually, it, it, it turns out there are very few things that Mitch Evans can't wear. Um, and sort of like aggressive fiber got shadow is certainly not one of them. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was an interesting look. It gave him the look of somebody who was like like a city trader who'd been awake for five days. <laughs> like, oh, you know who and, else I couldn't imagine with a with an aggressive beard? Nick DeVries. Oh no. Uh, for me, I think Brendan Hartley would be the one where I was really like, what? Oh my what god! Is Could going you imagine on? though? Like he doesn't. He decides not to bring back the two thousand nine like uh, that hairstyle that he had when he was uh, baby Red Bull Jr. Like the long, flowing, like, mm. surfer hair. No. He just decides, right, I- I'm gonna grow a big old Nick Heidfeld beard. <laughs> oh, man buns. That's the other thing that everyone's oh, into. Oh, god, no. Oh, my um, god. Oh, my god. Uh, Brendan Hartley gets a man bun and a giant beard. You know what? I could, I, again, I could, I could be into it. I just, I just think that we should lean into our tech bro tendencies. Um, uh, but yeah, everyone has been growing magnificent beards, uh, and I, for one, think that that's the kind of energy we need. We need to look cooler um, and more heavily hormone laced than Formula One. If we, if you're not looking like uh, the second, third, and fourth lines of a Stanley Cup Finals contender in the middle of games five, six, or seven, uh, then clearly Formula E has missed a trick. Oh, are, are we going to bring the playoff beard to Formula E? What with what after five rounds ago, you're just not allowed to shave anymore. <laughs> is, is is the stand? I thought the Stanley Cup was golf. Oh no, it's uh, hockey. Oh, hockey. Exactly, yes. I don't know what any sport is unless it's got wheels. Oh, oh that's fine. Neither do most sports fans, so you're good there. Um, team of the year. The team's champion or just the team that you feel is going to make a massive step forward. Um, I don't want to curse anymore. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to play it boringly safe I am here to support our new to cheetah overlords see you next season uh, gotta say uh, 
Nissan Adams could run this back. <laughs> Do you really think so? I mean, stranger things have happened. They've got the mm-hmm. drivers to do it. And it's not like Nissan has much else to go on. Plus, they've done this before. Several times. Y- yeah. Uh, I think... I think... I think, to be honest, um, there's very few teams... The, the thing I would say is, as you get to the front, as you get to Nissan, as you get to um, Virgin, Audi, Titi, so there's there's not yeah. much space for them to step forward into. Um, I think Jaguar, there's a few midfield teams, Vontary, Mahindra, um, uh, 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 Jaguar. And, like, you know, the thing is, because this is Formula E, we're talking about three race winners there as midfield teams. Um, like they they have space that they can they've got runway to step forward into. I think so. I, I think you could see substantial differences um, made there. I've forgotten what the other the fourth like the other one. What? Oh brain. Um, uh, about. Oh BMW, yeah. I, th- I think BMW. I think basically the. Th- I I would, I wouldn't like to talk about like a team transfer, like ending in a specific position, but I think you will see the threat level exhibited by those um, front of midfield teams: Vontry, Jaguar, Mahindra, BMW. Like we're gonna go from like amber to like code red. Yes, to like that 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 going into a race weekend, you just know that there's a much higher chance of them actually winning the race. Oh, and yeah. on a related note, um, which side of the Formula E paddock will win more races? Teams with predominantly electric blue liveries or teams with predominantly red and black liveries? Well, I'm going to... So the sensible choice would be red, black, and white. You know, yeah. you've got That's Nissan, Audi, um... But you don't have DS Tachita. <laughs> Tachita are not involved. Tachita are standing out by not dragging themselves into this. Uh, Tachita and Virgin have decided to exit the narrative. Um, so I've, I've because, got this whole plan Virgin for... Virgin are purple. They are exempt from the discussion. Well, I, I want to have like a really beautiful... Um, futuristic anime, maybe I don't know, um, or young young adult movie. So it's called the Liveries, and uh, because this is a young adult dystopian premise, um, at the start of anyone's career, they're suit they're sorted into, or like sixteenth birthday or some shit, you know, <laughs> um, they're sorted into the Liveries. So either they are the red, white, and black, or they 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 the blue. Um, uh, and I just have this like really great image in my head of like someone tooling down in like I don't know Jaguar or something Nissan no, I, I just assumed um, I, I, like, I just assumed the Victorians called and are about to sort us by nationality <laughs> um, but yeah like like Tachita drives up all gold and sparkly and like Antonio's surfing on the halo and like spray paints <laughs> livery suck down the side of something and then like you look over and there's like Sam and Robin hanging out wearing violet the actual best livery is BMW this year 
Oh, really? Yeah, it, um, it is really. But, I like it. Um, I think the blue side are going to win. Uh, how many dri- How many different drivers will be mathematically eligible to win the championship going into the start of the London Double? How many? How many teams? How many drivers? Oh, sorry. Um, five. I'm going to three. I don't. I don't think it's going to be as many as last year. I'm going to be boring. Split the difference. I mean, last last year it was like eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but keep in mind there was such a big difference at the end of the race, so it was obviously just a terrible championship. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's that's pettiness on a whole nother level. And finally, um, King. Sorry, got did, did this points affect the standings? Anyway, sorry. Who do I think is going to be the driver's champion next year? I mean, this year. Um, hmm. Now I can just go on. I can go on. I can just do like a cursory glance. Um, It it tells me that um, it tells me for these betting odds. Vern is nine to two, DeCosta six to one, Blemmy's thirteen to two, and Degrassi is fifteen to two. Out of so man, Jeff is like the big favorite. Like there's a massive gap between Jeff and everyone else in the betting odds. I I'm not allowed to do this, but I would put a bet on Degrassi mm-hmm. for oh, those odds. Yeah, seven to one. Uh for for entertainment purposes only yes for entertainment purposes only yeah sorry I should I should also like obviously we're not telling you where these odds are or encouraging you to gamble um but um yeah that is because Lucas is not an idle threat no he really is I actually if you force me to make a prediction for the drivers I might well say Lucas yeah he is yeah I, I I'm leaning towards uh, Antonio Felix Acosta. I think this is the year Sebastian Buemi, with all that momentum, puts it all together, puts the Davids of Montreal behind him, and starts going back to his Swiss cyborg winning ways. So we're all just ignoring the obvious bet that Burns going to gonna get go for the three. No, that, that's 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 too safe. That's too safe. We don't play it too safe on formula on these formula E previews. <laughs> oh God. And I think I think with that we covered most of it. Again, enjoy this Formula E season, because chances are by the time you're finished listening to this episode, uh there's probably a, maybe like a second leg of the Adria E pre that you're probably should be watching and then you could come back and pick this up um hazel thank you so much again for helping us break all of this down i know you'll be traveling abroad as the formula e circus makes its many trips and stops and leaps and bounds all throughout this great world so it's always a pleasure to have you on board your your support it really does mean a lot Oh, no worries. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I literally leave in uh, three hours. Excellent. Uh, please make sure you export your audio tracks before then. <laughs> oh, love it. God, yeah, no, I will do that. Okay. Yes, you are. Excellent. Um, we are 
motorsport101.com, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. If you want to follow us personally, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryder King, at RJ O'Connell. Hazel is available at HSouthwellFE and patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all our shows. $10 gets you access into our supporters club where you can listen in live as these shows are being recorded. Uh, we will be back later this week to talk about a busy weekend of everything that was not Formula E in the weekend that was Brazilian Grand Prix, Moto GP in Valencia, and all sorts of other good stuff. The, so, the Moto E title was decided. Oh yes. Oh yes, Moto E, the, the, obviously the most important. Finally, Ferrari finally won a championship. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, for Andre Harrison, for Hazel Southwell, Ryan Eric King, I'm RJ O'Connell, and thank you very much for listening to our special Formula E season preview. Catch you guys next time. Later, y'all. Bye. kind of on brand that we have to talk about neo triple three on episode triple two. <laughs> <laughs> oh man god I, I i dread and fear what would be like if we ever get to a point where you have to record an episode triple eight oh god <laughs> we're, we're gonna become the we're gonna become the boot we're gonna yes yes